uh, like I said already, today's message is going to be a very, it's not going to be the most profound thing you've ever heard. Um, but for when I'm praying about what I'm, we're going to speak about for the next week, um, or even, I am speaking next week, but so next week, um, just to kind of go off topic a little bit, our youth will be leading the service. Uh, I'll be preaching, but uh, the music, uh, Jericho will be leading, um, and then we'll have some other youth uh, doing different things during the service. Well, if, you're, if you enjoy seeing that kind of stuff, seeing young people um, that have felt a calling into this type of uh, ministry, um, be sure to be here next week. But this week, it's, it's really just about purpose. And I promise you that that picture is not someone vaping, um, even though that's probably what it looks like. That is somebody's cold breath, and I don't... <laughs> it's actually really hard to find a picture with somebody's cold breath, believe it or not. Um, so I wanted to clarify that, that we're not uh, approving of vaping at this point. Uh, but so uh, in praying about what God wants to talk to all of us um, about, because it's not what I have... I want to say to you or, or anything, because typically it's what God has already told me and has worked with me um, to share with everyone. So this morning it's going to be about purpose, and I have uh, preached messages that are very similar to this, um, and, and you'll notice a lot of sermons are similar to this, because hopefully by the end of uh, a message you have a way to apply this to your life and, and know what the purpose of that message was. Uh, but this morning... I want to go through a couple stats first. Um, I like to start a message with um, some facts to make a basis on what we're going to read, and then give a, a very quick outline of what God's Word says about what our purpose is. Uh, the first slide here is three out of the top four most popular verses on Bible study tools uh, reference purpose and meaning. Um, what this is, is you can go to BibleStudyTools.com, and there is a button. It's actually like a heart, and it'll show you what the most popular verses on their website are. So that's the people are actually going to their website and looking up these verses. Three out of the top four uh, were on there. That was Jeremiah 29.11, Romans 8.28, and Philippians 4.13. You probably all know what those verses are. Proverbs 3.5, or which I call 3.5 and 6 because they go together, but Proverbs 3.6 in particular uh, was in the top 10, uh, which also had to do with purpose and meaning. So before we get started, uh, I do want to pray uh, before we read God's Word, and also, the, honestly, that God would just give me the words to speak, um, and that He'll teach us something today about what our purpose is um, here on earth. God, we thank You for the Bible. I thank You that even You've given each one of us life and breath this morning, and because of that, God, we know that we have a purpose because you've given us this day. God, I pray that as we read your word, it is a living word, and um, it's, it's sufficient to teach us. So I pray that your Holy Spirit um, helps us understand that, helps us understand your word, and even gives us meaning to our personal lives. Um, God, I pray it's all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you're at James chapter 4, um, go ahead and get towards the end of the chapter. We're going to start at verse 13. Um, but I do have a couple slides before that. Did you know that the most influential book, and this is not a surprise to you, the most influential book in the 2000s was A Purpose Driven Life. Um, that is actually a, a pretty good book. Um, because of the message this morning, um, I looked it up, and I've never read it, actually. Um, partially because the church that I grew up in um, as, a, as a denomination um, did not like Rick Warren with some of his uh, practices. But I looked it up this week. 
Um, it's 99 cents on Kindle if it's something you want to look up. And this book is not a step-by-step, -step, here's how you find your purpose in life, which is the correct way to go about it. Because um, when you find those types of books, you're probably going to be led astray. Uh, you have to start with God's Word, and that's kind of what a purpose-driven life does. Uh, so it's a cheap book. It's pretty good. It's going to require you reading the Bible and praying, too. It's not going to give you the answers to everything. Um, but yeah, check that out. And then the next uh, slide here is 46% uh, of young adults who are still active in church. So this is people after high school that have continued to um, serve in their church, um, consider themselves Christians. Uh, they learned, how, learned about how Christians can positively contribute to society compared to only 20% among church dropouts. So there's a very important part of children's church and youth group that we teach kids that there is a purpose for us in society as Christians. Um, it's not separate. We, we can't live a separate life in church and then leave church and it be a different part of a li our lives. Um, and then thankfully, uh, those kids who have learned that being a Christian takes a part, it actually takes a part of your whole life um, is what keeps them uh, spiritually sound. And that came from Barna, which is the book Making Space for Millennials, which at this point is kind of old because now we're making space for Gen Z at this point. All right, so let's read James 4. Uh, and this is a, the really the most important part of our service is reading um, what God has to say with us. Uh, so I'm reading out of the NLT, which if you don't have a Bible, it's one of the ones that would be in the seat in front of you. Uh, it says, Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a, a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog, and then some translations say like a mist. Uh, it's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, and some translations maybe say that if the Lord wills, which uh, if you're from Little Kentucky like I am, that is something we have used. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we use that quite a bit. But that's where it comes from. Uh, we will live and do this or that. So very vague. Even God's word is, uh, as far as purpose is vague because it's specific to each one of us. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And I'm going to give you a little bit about why that in particular hit me hard um, before that, I was able to give this message. But it says life is like a fog or like a mist. I don't know if you guys noticed, like, thir I think it was Thursday or Friday. I was taking Reagan to my mom's and noticed that it was actually a really, I want to say, pretty morning. Uh, but the, the fog that was still kind of staying there and the, the sun was just coming up, it looked really pretty. But by the time I got to my mom's five minutes away, it was pretty much gone. I know we have foggy days, but that's kind of what God is, is saying is that it's here, you can see it, you have life, but before you know it, it'll be gone. And just like this guy's uh, vaping look-alike breath, when, you, when it's cold outside and you breathe and it, you can see it, it evaporates so quickly. Now, unfortunately, we all know that not everyone lives to their 80s or 90s, 70s. Some lives are cut very short. Some lives are cut immediately. Um, with babies. God knows how many days you have, but we, we don't have that answer. 
The only thing we know is that it's quick. And now, now that I'm 31, I'm not, I don't consider myself old to this point, even though the youth group does. Um, I can tell you that I know for a fact that after having a kid especially, the days seem to go by much, much faster. Um, and then I, I can give witness to other people saying you know, the same thing once kids move out. Uh, once you retire, it seems like the days just get quicker and quicker and quicker. The point in him saying this in James is that there needs to be an urgency about what we're doing, how we spend each day and how we spend each hour. We, we can't live just like we are going to live to our 80s because it's not guaranteed. Sickness happens. Accidents happen. There needs to be an urgency um, with the way we live our life. Now, I, the cool thing about James— is that this is Jesus' little brother. So you guys realize that when Jesus was here, he lived, you know, 33 years. He spent most of his life not doing ministry. Have you really thought about that? That most of Jesus' life is not what we would consider ministry, even though he spent the last few years of his life doing it? He spent a lot of time doing carpentry. Um, and he, as a teenager, he would go to the, the temple and debate with the religious leaders. But as far as ministry work, that was a very small part of his life. So James was able to have a front row seat to who Jesus hung out with, who, what he spent his time doing, why he chose to do this or that. James was the one who saw everything that Jesus, Jesus did. I like the book of John also because that was Jesus' best friend. But James, and, and if you have siblings— you, you know that you know everything about them typically. You know their habits, their, their things they like, they don't like. So it's really cool to, to read the book of James with that in mind, knowing that he was able to see how Jesus lived 30 years prior to doing ministry. And then uh, I'll move on to another verse here. Actually, it goes still in James 4. And, and you'll notice with, with the message today, it's going to be uh, very chill, very practical. Uh, but we say, if the Lord wills. Um, do you get the sense reading this that God's saying that plans are bad? Because he kind of makes it sound that way a little bit if we read it out of context. He says, um, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. So do you think having plans is bad? Does it make it sound like having any type of plan is bad? Well, if you don't know the whole story, then yeah, it could seem like, yeah, we should just live our life second by second, not make any plans, not have any type of um, goals to meet, that kind of stuff. But that's not the case. Um, what it's more, it's actually saying is that when we make plans without God, that's the difference. If we make plans for our own desires and we don't think about, um, is this what God would have me to do? That's the difference. Uh, so plans are actually a good thing. Um, but that part can be really hard. I know uh, for in verse 17 here, it says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. There's lots of things in the Bible that tells you exactly what to do. It tells you to love your neighbor, to love God, to love your um, spouse as yourself. There's very specific things that God's Word tells us what to do. But then you read this verse, 
and again, it's vague. It says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's because we all have a purpose in life. We have all been designed, born at this certain time, put in this certain place to fulfill a part of God's plan. And that's the part that hit me hard there, is that remember it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I've been guilty of that. I can tell you that for for me, I've struggled with that in the past, and I've even shared my story with you on why I have struggled with that. I said plans are good, but it says also when you know what you ought to do and not do it. Do you guys think that you can do good things without Christ? It's a difficult question. What's the definition of good? I want to share a couple tools with you guys. These have no significant meaning in themselves, but I have a pair of tools here and uh, something here. Preston, what do you think these are for? You have any clue? What do they look like? Look like pliers a little bit? So you can't tell me what they're for? Can you tell me what this is for? Measuring? Yeah, straight line, that's a good guess. I can tell you what these are, Preston, because I know how to use them, and I didn't create them, but I know why they were created, and I can tell you what they are. I could bring a bunch of tools, a bunch of other things that that have been created, but when God created us, he had a purpose in mind. So just like whoever created this, now this is a network cable tool. So like computer cables, that kind of stuff. That's what this tool's for. The person who created this had a reason to create this. They had something that they needed to, a job they needed to, com- to complete, and they couldn't do it without this tool. Now, we are instruments for God to use, and he has given us a purpose, which it all ties into what we're reading here in James we were created with the opportunity to be a part of something greater than ourselves. And then I asked you, uh, can you do good things without Jesus? Um, I think a lot of you would probably say no. We're not capable of doing good on our own. And technically, you're right. Technically, in Romans, it says that none of us, even our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But when we think about doing good things for Jesus, there's probably some specific things you can do. There's, you would love your neighbor. You would serve people. Can you do those things without Jesus? My answer would be, you're never good enough. You're never going to meet to God's standard. But could someone who's not a Christian do just as much good in the world as I could? Technically, I would say yes, um, because I actually have um, experience with that. I used to work with somebody at uh, the Honda dealership, um, and he is not a Christian, although I think the, the more I have known him, the longer I've known him, um, he is, he's getting close to that point where I believe he is going to be a Christian. He's going to believe in Jesus. But this person in particular, ha- it was probably the most moral person I have ever met. Uh, and ash- ashamedly, I, probably more than me. This person who, who I would consider a good person, and a lot of us will say, you know, this person's good, this person's bad. This, this guy that I worked with, was he was honest, he was caring, 
He treated people great. And I wanted to be more like him, and he wasn't a Christian. Talk about how condemning that is for me. Someone who knows Jesus, knows true love, and then is being outperformed um, by someone who doesn't know that love. That is something that has um, been a conviction of mine for a long time. So can you do good things without Jesus? Are they going to have any eternal significance? No. Um, But they are, it is possible. I know a lot of people uh, who have been very very philanthropic, Philanthropic. I'm not sure I've used my name right or word right. Uh, but someone who has a lot of money and donates a lot of money to good causes. And uh, there's people who can, out of the will of God, so God has created you for a specific purpose. You're not in that, his will per se. You can do good things on earth in our definition of good. You can have successful business. Um, you can be successful on Wall Street. You can, um, there's so many things you can do um, outside of the will of God. It's not like if you're not a Christian, um, you're just going to fail at every single thing you do. That's, that's actually not how it works. So for me, the person I worked with, um, he was a good person, um, but it had no eternal significance. You were created for a very specific calling um, in your life, in your purpose. Then I want to get the last point here is uh, live your life like your last day. I asked a question on Facebook this past week. If you were given 48 hours to live, how would you spend those 48 hours? What would come off of your to-do list? What would go on your to-do list? What things would change? I think some of us have been, including myself, have put off what we know God wants us to do because we think that in our stage of life, something else is more important um, to that calling and purpose in life. And our priorities is, is probably the most important thing here. Ephesians 2.10, if uh, the verse is on a slide, I want to read Ephesians 2.10 to you real quick. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he has planned for us long ago. He is our creator. He has a plan and purpose for each one of you. Now, throughout your life, your purpose may change. And I know that might be confusing. Like if you get a purpose and calling, just do that the rest of your, of your life. Um, but right now, depending on what stage you're in, right now I have a, a daughter and a kid on the way. My calling is to be a very good dad and a husband at the same time. Um, and then later on, it'll be, be a very good grandparent if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise. Um, but your purpose will slightly change. Obviously, God is first and foremost. That's always um, who you, you follow and recognize but the things you do, actually the things you are, are actively doing in your life, those will slightly change. But it says that he has created us to do good things, and he has planned for you already. I know that for Reagan and our, our kid that's coming in January, that God has already has a plan for them um, and things for them to do already. I don't know what those things are yet. For Reagan, it's got to be something with very energy-driven. 
Uh, I don't know what that's going to be. Maybe she'll be a professional athlete. I have no idea. But it's going to be something high energy for her. I can tell you that. For each one of you, God has already created things for you to do to accomplish for his will. Um, I can say this. I maybe, I hope I can say this, is that as someone who has worked in regular jobs uh, for, for most of my career, life, whatever you want to call that, I know that God had a purpose for me at every single job that I had. I remember even my first job, the most disgusting job I ever had was at Long John Silver's, and I would smell like fish at 11 o'clock at night and be just covered in grease from head to toe. But I remember the conversations that I had as a 16-year-old with my manager. Um, I was actually uh, quite confident for a 16-year-old, um, which I probably shouldn't have been. God has humbled me since then. Um, and we would have conversations in the drive through as, you know, we're throwing fish out the window and, and trying to get as much food as, uh, made as possible. We'd have so many conversations about creation and even God's, why would God create man? Why is evolution not the, the way to go? And by the end, we had a good friendship, um, even though there, some of those conversations were highly, you know, high blood pressure, that kind of stuff. I think I made the, drove the guy nuts at some point. Um, and then that, I mean, that job, and then just seeing how God worked all down the line at every single job that I had, you don't have to work at a church to be used by God. And you can look to Jesus's life. If we, if we really want to live life the way God wants us to, let's live it like Jesus did. And remember that Jesus spent most of his life not doing ministry work, like working at, you know, uh, full-time ministry work. He was working with people. He was, he was meeting with the people who de- society didn't want to be with. Truthfully, you guys can do so much more than, than I can do because of the, the, the spot God has put you, the people he's put in your life, even the families that you were born to. Each one of you have a purpose, and God has already planned things for you. So don't, don't think that you're not significant because you work at a factory or you work at a school or something like that. Just because it's not, you know, you're not, a, not everyone's a doctor or a rocket scientist, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God wants you right where you are, and that's where he's going to use you. So if you had 48 hours to live, and, and we'll, we'll kind of finish with this, um, a lot of you have been through deaths in your family, probably. And if I would guess, most of you had a similar experience. Um, typically, when somebody finds out that their life is coming to an end, they begin to shift their priorities a little bit. Uh, whether that's a young person, old person, priorities typically change. And a lot of that because we don't have our last day in mind for how we're living. My experience um, with, with grandparents passing away is um, I only had one grandparent that um, was diagnosed with cancer and had a kind of a longer period before they passed away. Um, the other grandparents passed away pretty quickly. But I watched my, my grandma, um, how, how she approached the last few months of her life. And my, my grandma was... 82, I think. So, you know, she, she's age-wise towards the end, end of her life anyway. Uh, I'd be lucky if, if I make it to 80. 
But even at her age, her priorities began to shift. She began to think about um, the little bit of money she had. She, she, she was not wealthy at all. That was not the, not the point. But she began to think about what she could give to other people. Uh, she began to think about how she can bless somebody else's life. And that's kind of how her priorities shifted. She, turning on the TV wasn't much of importance to her anymore. Uh, I remember growing up, we'd always watch Hee Haw and, and Grand Ole Opry together. But the TV, it, it shut off quite a bit um, because she just wanted to have conversations. And um, that's kind of how it was for, for months at a time. Um, but then as we got even closer to the day and we, we saw her cancer diagnosis progress and you could see that life was, was leaving her body, she began to ask for family. And this is probably the case with a lot of people. At the end of your life, the most important things to you are what you want close to you. She could care less about her house, her money at that point. She said, bring my family. I, you know, I, want, to, I want my family to be here with me. And I think that's what God's getting to when he's talking about our life is like a mist. It's like the morning fog. It's here and then it's gone. But while we are here, he has a plan for us. He has a purpose for each step that you take. So when you leave here today, and, and even when you go into your work week, your, your week at home, what, whatever you're doing, live your life for your last day. I, I know you can say live it like it's your last day, um, and that's probably somewhat appropriate, but live for your last day so that when you get to that last day, you're not regretting the things that you didn't do. You know, I, you could say, yeah, I know that God wanted me to do this or that, but I, I knew that I really needed to um, build up our savings account, so I took on an extra job, um, those kinds of things. And, and again, we're, we're not looking at bad things. Are saving money and, and working hard good things? Yeah. But the, I think there's times where we can fill our life with so many good things that we consider good that we have completely shut out the possibility for God to work in our life. So live your life for your last day. Think about your priorities. So again, it's not the most profound thing you've ever heard, um, but it, for me, it, it hit really hard when it said that when you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, for, that, for you, that is a sin. So for some of you, you know what you're supposed to be doing. You know what God has called you to do or what your purpose is, whether that's at home or at work, your family. That's between you and God. I cannot tell you what that answer is. But have a sense of urgency about that. Don't put it off because things happen. We see people who are healthy, um, active, have heart attacks. We see we see cancer in kids. We never know if we have another day. So live your life like it's your last. If you would, pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I, I know that I'm not the smartest person. And... God, when we trust in you, it changes the 
changes the whole game. When we trust in you, we don't have to rely on ourselves. And that takes a lot of weight off our shoulders. So God, I pray that you help us do like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we acknowledge you in every single thing that we do. Whether that's spending time with our kids at home or interacting with strangers on the street, help us first acknowledge you so that you can guide us in what we're supposed to do. And God, we know that this life can be cut short. We know that things happen. God, you know how many days we have left. Help us live our life with urgency and that we don't put things off. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us do that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.